Hey everybody and welcome to another episode with your girl YB. Okay y'all, I'm going to do something different with today's segment for Thren Hantu. But I do not know if you all will enjoy it or not. Okay, so I think I have said this multiple times where I would say how much I love Bailey Sarian. And how I always watch her videos and even hear her podcast on murder, mystery, makeup, Monday. Okay, so for today's segment, I will be talking about murder. Yes, you heard me, murder. <laughs> if you're wondering why I decided to join this in the Trend Hantu segment, okay, so firstly, other than Hantu. I also love hearing about crimes. I will watch documentaries, you know, hear podcasts. Like my own husband would say he's scared because he wonders how I can be so casual hearing about murder while I fall to sleep. <laughs> fall to sleep, yeah, fall asleep. Mm-mm. Secondly, okay, so this is my logic. Huh? So hantu is what? Satan, right? Satan do bad things and like to hasot. Like, tell you to do bad things. <laughs> Satan hassled who? Humans. So, end up, human become Satan when they kill. Ah, there you go. My very logical explanation why I decided to include murder and mystery inside Trend Hantu. Okay? So, here it goes. My very first podcast that I'll be doing on murder that took place in Singapore. Bear with me, okay? I may not get everything right. Uh, I may also may not get the full story. I try. <laughs> okay? But uh, technically, I'm still figuring it out. Lah, okay? But we shall try. And let me know what you think about this addition in the link provided on my Instagram at wtt.yb. Okay. <clears throat> Warning. The following content contains explicit language which may be offensive to some listeners and is inappropriate for children. The content is intended for mature audiences only. Listener's discretion is advised. Let's move on. Alright, so first podcast has to be special. So, I will be doing a murder I'm not saying murder that murder that took place on my birthday, 29 June 1950. So today we are going to talk about Winnie Annie Spencer. Or was it Annie Winnie Spencer? Okay. It was unclear because one moment they were saying Winnie Annie, the other moment they were saying Annie Winnie. So yeah. Any to convite a to convite to avoid confusion. Okay. So now she was the youngest in a family of two boys and four girls who were her siblings, okay? So her mom, Mrs. Spencer, was a homemaker, aka housewife, and her dad, Mr. James Arthur Spencer, was a clerk in United Engineers. Now, Annie was described as a bright and cheerful child. Like most days, she was home from school by 2pm, where she would have her lunch, did her homework and then would go out to play with the neighborhood kids okay so she would also be home before it get even gets dark like she was a good kid a normal 10 year old child you know like she was in primary four basically so july 1st news article posting stated that a semi-nude body of a 10 year old eurasian school girl was discovered early 30th june 1950 at a beach inside Keppel Harbour by a land surveyor who was making his rounds by the seashore. She was found with a cord tape that was tied tightly around her neck twice, ending with a double knot on the right side of her neck. She also had a wound on the back of her head that led the police to believe that although there were no clear signs of a struggle, she was struck unconscious before or after. The eyes were fixed in a stare and she had no undergarments on. She was believed to be raped, then strangled. <laughs> okay, at this point, police were appealing to the public, okay, if they had seen this girl anywhere between 1.30 p.m. on 29 June 1950 to 9.30 a.m. 30th June 1950. 
Unfortunately, that girl was Annie, okay? So Annie was a schoolgirl from the convent of the Holy Infant Jesus, Katong, and was last seen alive at Katong, dressed in a blue tunic and white blouse, which is, I think, their school uniform, yeah. She had short, dark hair, about four feet. Oh my god, that's like about 120mcm only, you guys. Oh, her mother, Mrs. Eleanor J. Spencer, told the police that Annie had left home for school as usual on the 29 June 1950, around 7am in the morning, together with her older brother. Okay, So she also said that Annie usually returns home with several classmates for lunch, but that day, however, she never came home. So Mrs. Spencer became worried and said that when Annie did not return by evening, she sent one of Annie's brothers to make a police report at the Juchat police station and the search for a missing little girl began all night. So by morning, the search ended and Annie's body was found in a brutal condition near the seashore at Teluk Blanga where a string from her undergarments was found round her neck. Uh, back then, um, you know, undergarments for women, we didn't like now sexy sexy wear panties. Like, uh, not last time not like that. Last time they wear like you know the, it's like uh, shorts, but you can tie. <laughs> yeah, very leche la, But yeah, that was how it was worn last time lah. Okay, so anyway, she was found six miles from her home. Like, those days in Singapore, you would know how far Katong is from Labrador. It is far, okay? So, it seems like Annie's killer enticed her to the lonely spot where she was murdered after passing by crowded streets and the man to be suspected of a youth was leading her. So, it's a young man. Eh? Now, people were stepping up, you know. People were coming in left and right to assist with the capture of this perpetrator, okay. So, the description was made of a short, medium-built man, about 5 feet 2 inches tall, who looked like an Indian and spoke English very well. And it was seen speaking to Annie during recess time at school, a day before she was found dead. Uh, I do not think it was an Indian man. Like, it could be an Eurasian too. Basically, it's just like dark skin. Yeah. So, apparently, the man had entered the school grounds and called Annie by her name. And her schoolmate saw this. Sorry, not a day before she was... F- oh, wait, correct lah. A day before she was found it. Because she was found it on the 30th. So, this was on the 29th, okay? So, yeah. So, they told the police, like the school the schoolmates, they told the police that this man was wearing a white shirt white trousers tucked into his khaki socks not k-a-k-i no it's khaki you know the nude color yeah so i don't know about you guys eh? but if someone is being seen like during this day like this time okay like in 2022 if you see someone wearing a white top white pants tucked and then the trousers are tucked into the sock uh, I don't know about you guys, but it's straight up suspicious. No questions. Like, who will wear all white? <laughs> like, if I was wearing all white, I would stain it the minute I leave the house. Like, before I leave the house already, my white clothes got stained already. Like, you're just playing a dangerous game wearing all white, man. <laughs> and to tuck it into your socks. Oh my god, what a bloody sociopath. Red flag, okay? Red flag. Anyway... Now, two of her classmates had overheard the man saying to Annie that her mom wants Annie to meet her at Capitol Cinema. And he'll be waiting for her at the gate after school. So, when Annie's friends were like asking her like, Hey, who's that? Annie. And she was like, I do not know him. Yeah. That was like what their friends said, you know. Now, her friends did not notice that it was unusual that the man and Annie were walking along the seafront. Eh, sorry. Uh, backtrack. Annie and the man, after school, right? They were walking along the seafront instead of towards the city. So, the friends noticed that it was unusual. Okay? Uh, the school was located by the beach. Lah, yeah. But unfortunately... 
That was the last time they saw her. So 12 hours since the discovery of the body, despite people coming in all over and trying to provide information for the police, the police still could not piece what had happened during the 12 hours. Okay, so but 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 the police were certain that within that 12 hour, Annie had Chinese meal. Uh, they got it from the autopsy. Yeah, so but they were certain like, hey guys, Annie ate Chinese food last night. Yeah, so the police, they were really amazing, you know, like, you know, trying to find useful information about the situation. Like, they were throwing questions to the public non-stop, okay, like, via the newspapers and news, you know. Like, questions like, do you see a little girl with a dark, darker complex, why am I twisting my words? With a darker complexion man leaving the cinema, do you see a little girl, uh, said having a, with a man having a Chinese meal either at a street store restaurant anywhere coffee shop you know did you find any school books oh yeah annie was carrying her school books in her hand on the day that she followed this man so the police were like throwing these questions you know and were like telling the public if you did you must go to the police at once like in bold and caps like to relay the urgencies okay so like even if their school books had no name they wanted details like oh yeah well, uh, when they found Winnie's body, her school books had disappeared. So that's why they were throwing these questions. Like, uh, if you see school books, it's okay, got no name, never mind, come forward like that. Okay? So now the police also think that it was possible the man may have injured himself while assaulting the girl and informed all doctors and nurses, like, if they ever attended to a man, like, as described, and also had wounds normally associated with indecent assaults. To inform the police immediately. Okay? So now the deputy commissioner at this point of time stated that they were not certain if they were looking for a sex maniac. However, they do believe that the murder had all the appearance of a premeditated crime. Pre-planned. I told you right. If you ever see someone who tucks their pants into their socks, run. Bitch, run. <laughs> okay? So now, post-mortem examination of the body showed that during the evening of 29 June, she was given the Chinese meal, okay? They gave a timing around 10pm. The autopsy also stated that Annie died around midnight to 2am on the night of 29 June, which is the of June morning, like, after 12 months. Mm. Oh, side note, okay, I found this bit to be a little tak perlu because I <laughs> I do not know why or or maybe I do okay like um <clears throat> they had to state the news like they state in a newspaper article quote for the first time in history of Singapore police if not in that of police in the British colonies a woman police officer is taking part in a murder investigation in Bolton like, I don't know, maybe this was a time where women were seen as lemma. <laughs> like, not in a negative way, but I think this time, like 1950s, women were mainly housewives. You get what I mean? But okay lah, wow, kudos, women first time assisting your murder investigation. So yeah, I just find it funny lah that they have to put them. <laughs> Okay, anyway, at this point, like over the weekends, police were able to give a more brief description of the man, uh, describing him as around 20 years old, a rather dark man, 5 feet 2 inches tall, round and clean shaven face, a built a little stouter than medium, hair is long and straight and parted at the side, spoke good English. Now, this was spread to all the police stations in Singapore and even radioed into the federations, okay? And also, teachers in Singapore were monitoring and warning kids not to follow strangers no matter what the stranger said. Like, even to this day, you know, parents are also educating their kids not to follow. Like, I remember my dad telling me this. And with every stranger, like, I'll have that resting bitch face from young. Oh my god, I just realized my parents made me a bitch. <laughs> Pros and cons, like, okay? Like, I'm still alive, thank god, because of this. So, 
So what if strangers think you are a bitch? Heck care lah. As long safe, can already. Okay? So now, by 4th of July, there were six suspects who were picked up by the police. But they were then released after their identity did not meet the description that was provided. Okay? There was an even more valuable information that came from a man who had, quote, traveled long distance, end quote. This man described that he has seen a pair whom he thought were Annie and the man. Now, even the Johor police were prepared to help and cooperated with the cases uh, in any possible way. Like, I'm not kidding. The police net had spread all the way to Penang. Okay? The police officers... Alamak. Kraken awaking. Yeah, eh? Be right back. Okay, I'm back. Um, where was I? Yeah. The police officers who were stationed at customs were like screening each and like every individual that uh, that were, that went past the custom, you know, and they were also like on the lookout. Like every possible exit from Singapore, the airfields, railway station, the sea, yeah, all under close watch day and night. Oh my god, don't you guys miss the railway station? <laughs> The chapati store was the best. Oh my god. Okay. Now, by this time, police had like made a timeline based on witnesses. Okay. So, the route that was taken was from Queen Street at 1.45pm where they took a trishaw to Juchiat. Then, they took a bus from Juchiat to Bras Basa uh, at about 6.15pm. They took another bus near Capitol Cinema to Tanjung Paga, which uh, they then proceeded to Teluk Blanga via the bus afterwards uh, with very little delay. Okay, so uh, the police also believed that the man and Annie sat through a show at the Capitol Cinema. So this was the timeline that the police came up with. Lah, eh? Now on the 5th of July 1950, an arrest was made. Okay, a 25-year-old Eurasian man will be taken to court that morning. Uh, any school books and clothes have also been found. Now, by this time, news had spread all the way till Ipoh. Like, even the schools, their kids were, like, saying, uh, yeah, I heard, you know, and every principal's are, like, warning these kids, like, you know, especially the girls' schools. Yeah. So, on 13 July 1950, there were more than 120 people packed outside the court for Annie's case. There were so many people, even the judge had a hard time getting in and could not enter until the police officers began to move people from the entrance. A 25-year-old Eurasian man by the name Michael Joseph Nonis was, was being tentatively charged with Annie's mother. Now, even though the attention was focused on Nonis, fun fact, okay, not I mean not so fun fact lah, but on that on that day actually there were like the same day uh, that uh, the thirteenth July, there were like ten men and one woman who were also produced in court in connection with eight different murder cases, so it was like a busy day, like bloody busy for the judge, huh? <laughs> so. Now, Nonis uh, was seen in court sobbing and behind him was an elderly woman who was like praying, you know, hand like together, clasping together and like saying prayers and a young girl who was also crying non-stop. Nonis was then remanded for another week by the judge because not only were there like other murderers waiting for their trial in court, but Nonis being like the main centre of attraction had to be dismissed to clear the crowd. Like you wouldn't see that kind of things these days, you know, <laughs> like there are rules to follow and if you want to be capo, you also get to go jail free free. <laughs> but back then like everything was different, like they haven't come up with order and all this, you know, so it's like free flow, uh, who want to come see, see, you know. So, Nonis had to be escorted. I mean, like, no shit lah, last year. Like, there was a reason why a huge crowd is out there, like, waiting to beat his ass. Yeah. So, now the trial was being pushed back. And this happened on 
28 August 1950. Get this, ah, uh, the police managed to uncover the timeline, and this was what they said. Okay, on 29 June 1950, between 11 a.m. and 11:30 a.m., Annie was seen inside the school compound playing during recess with her schoolmates, nonnies, who. Happens to be Annie's eldest brother's friend. Ah,、uh, the eldest brother is Stanley Henry Spencer. Okay, so they were both actually working at the telecommunications department. Uh huh. So, what are the chances, right? <laughs> yeah. So Nonis was seen having a conversation with Annie over the school fence. Now this was observed by Annie's friends as well as. Noni's friends, who was having a swim not far from the school compound, okay. So Noni's friend also said he had requested this friend to go over to Annie and pass a message, but this friend declined, okay. So Noni's at this point of time was on medical leave, from twenty six June till twenty nine June. So after school, Nonis was seen walking with Annie towards East Coast Road, and it like any schoolmates lah saw saw them, you know. Now it was still here, only that the timeline is being told. Yeah, couldn't find the rest of the timeline that the police figure out. Yeah, now get this effed up part, okay? Like the day that Nonis was supposedly accused of strangling Annie. He had lunch and chatted casually with one of his best friends, ah,、uh, Annie's brother, Stanley. Remember Stanley? Yeah, like what? You know, like this was stated in the first day of the trial. Like, yeah, Annie was having lunch with me. <laughs> I I mean it's not funny lah, but it's just weird, you know. Yeah. So when the trial began. This time, only selected people were allowed in, like families and relatives from both parties. Okay, others were turned away because later kicho. Yeah, this time the court was packed with the families, representatives of the police, press, and interpreters. You know to translate lah kan. Oh yeah, get this ah.、Uh. This time, nonis walked into the court. Looking cheerful and confident, and can even smile to his friends and families. Like, dude, you were like sobbing before, and now you're walking in on happy. What the fuck? So when the judges is judges, so when a judge was telling Nonis like what he was being charged with, Nonis was spotted smirking, like, <laughs> ugh. According to the police, ah,、uh, investigations team, ah,、uh, Nonis, he was arrested on the fourth of July, but was actually released because the witness at that point of time failed to identify him. Then a few hours later, he was arrested again, as he was then identified by two of Annie's schoolmates out of the eight witnesses. These two girls stated, "Quote, definitely the man." End quote. Today is such a busy night. Like it's so noisy. My goodness. Hey, <laughs> yeah. So these two girls, both of them, saw Nonis on different occasions. Like one was over the school fence, and the other was when Annie was walking with Nonis along the sea front. And like prior to this, neither of them saw Nonis before. So police also said that Nonis had helped them locate. And his bag and books that were missing not far from the murder spot. And Noni's outfit that was worn on the twenty ninth June had been sent out to be tested too, and the results came back positive. It had blood stains on the trousers and shirt, but like it had been washed away. But the funny thing is, he wasn't wearing all white. He was, like in numerous articles, it was stated that he was wearing a white top, and a black pants, with the khaki socks that one yeah. So like, 
it's so weird like how come one part is saying white trousers and the next is now black trousers like but then the the outfit had blood stains yeah so the doctor that did the autopsy said that there were signs of rape there were also blood clot on the right side of her head under the scalp but the skull was not fractured uh yeah there were also like scratch marks on her back but those marks did not look like they had been made by fingernails and were most likely caused by being dragged on the ground he also said the large rock uh, and evidence for court that was found by the beach it had like strands of hair on it with blood guys it was so gruesome yeah he, he the doc the forensic guy also said like like this rock could have caused a blood clot on the head now remember when i said at the beginning she had a wound on her head right yeah so yeah this was caused by the rock lah yeah like the doctor also said like it was unlikely that Annie had strangled herself as there was a double knot in the cord yeah like who like you kill yourself and you tie yeah, it doesn't make sense lah yeah he also estimated the time of death around 9pm on 29 June so when the judge had asked the doctor whether Annie was strangled while she was unconscious the doctor did say yes because like there was a present of asepsia asepsia uh, a condition arising when the body is deprived of oxygen causing unconsciousness or death aka suffocation lah mm. like he also said that any ordinary person would struggle if cord was applied around the neck but in this case two knots of course there will be more struggle you know like but then whoever applied the cord had no resistance so it means like when any so it's probably being tied around her neck after she was being knocked unconscious it's so sad you know like she's 10 years old you know now one of the officers also claimed that nonis made a voluntary statement to him in his private chambers on the 6th of july uh any's parents told the court that nonis had visited them occasionally but they never saw him talking to any but he did spoke to the other kids Uh, Mr. Spencer, he broke down when he was asked to identify his daughter after the discovery. I mean, who wouldn't, right? I would have died, man. <laughs> Honestly. Now, Mrs. Spencer, she was asked to identify the court in court that was used to strangle poor Annie. And she could, you know, as that was what Annie would use to tie up her undergarment. Now, Stanley, the eldest brother... He said that he became friendly with Nonis about 3 years ago when they were both working together. He also said that Nonis wasn't at work on the 29 June, but he was at work on the 30th of June, the next day, you know when the body was discovered, yeah. So a friend of Annie's family had apparently rang Stanley at work during lunch and told him that he was urgently needed at home. on the 29th June. Stanley also said that when he got home and got the news, he had told his friend that called him earlier to the family friend to call Nonis to inform him about it as to Stanley. Nonis was like a good friend of his and he wanted Nonis to know about Annie, okay? But it's so weird, you know, like if Nonis was a family friend, like for three years, the parents knew him, the siblings knew him. I mean, Stanley and Nonis were like close friends, you know. Stanley even said like Nonis would visit once a month and that is like 36 times in the past three years. So I'm sure you would recognize someone by the 30th time that they come, right? Or is it just me? <laughs> But then, how come... Annie told her schoolmates when they asked her, do you know him? And she was like, no idea, man, who this fella is. Like, but she still followed him. You get what I'm trying to say? Not? Like, I'm so torn about this right now. Oh, and then there was another witness who saw Nonis when he answered the phone call, right? Like, 
like when when Stanley answered the phone call. Okay, so Noni's uh, eh, sorry, another witness saw Noni's like he when he received the phone call from the family friend. You know, like Noni's had said, "Quote: I am very shocked. If only I know the person who took her out, I will kill him myself." But Noni's did not even appear for Annie's funeral. I mean, if you were to say that, like the rage and anger and condolences that you have, you would at least go to the funeral, right? I mean, it is your best friend's sister, like the youngest in the family, you know. And apparently, when Stanley came back to work on the third of July, Nonis was gone. Like Stanley's co-workers, you know, they were like checking on him and all, but Stanley was like. Too occupied to even care if Nonis was gone or not. I mean, of course, like he wouldn't even think that his best friend would do it, right? Oh yeah, get this. Ah, uh, this is like a moment, like gaps moment. A colleague had told Stanley when he came back to work, like the day Stanley had to rush home, as soon as Stanley left, Nonis apparently had told one of them. That Stanley left because of his sister's death. Now, how will you know about that, Nonis? How? So Stanley was like, "What? Like shook? Like how, Nonis? Explain it. How would you know about it? You know, like when the defense lawyer did a cross examination for Nonis. This was Nonis' lawyer. Eh? He asked Nonis, "Like how do you know?" Then Noni said he heard from a friend. A lunch, okay, but I, I mean, I mean, I'm jumping, I'm jumping the gun here, but like, huh? Who is this friend, Noni's? Who? Problem was there, you Noni's. And then another witness, you know, the family friend, yeah, the, I mean, yeah, the family friend that called Stanley up. Like apparently, he did not convey the message to Stanley about his sister's death over the phone. Okay, because he was worried, like Stanley would endanger his life. Uh, because Stanley was like um, cycling to and fro work. Yeah, so like he don't want Stanley to like, hey, Stanley, your sister is not here anymore. Then you know, like people said and all they were do stupid things. Yeah, so he didn't want that. He did. He didn't want Stanley to do that. So when the so when Stanley told his family friend to inform Nonis about it. This family friend also, uh, what he said was through the phone that, uh, Nonis Stanley won't be able to come back to work over the weekends, and could you inform the boss that he won't be coming back lah, you know, and if you can, uh, could you come over after work to Stanley's house, you know, so. There was a conversation between the family friend and Nonis. Like he just said to inform the boss, you know that uh Stanley is unable to come to work, and Nonis, if you can, please come over. That's all. So Nonis also told this family friend that he will come over after work, but he did not come. So the next day, Stanley like asked his family friend to find out from Nonis like whether he had told their boss already. And to ask Nonis like why he didn't he come over yesterday? Okay, so Nonis said that he did inform already, and he could not come over because he had a headache and was not feeling well. Aye, la Nonis, shabas, bagus. Oh, and this family friend also told Nonis like um. And uh, you know the burial was that day, you know, on thirtieth June. You know, uh, I will be at three p.m. Uh, and he told Nonis to come over, but Nonis said that he had to work and could only leave after four p.m. And he will try try to come lah, you know, but nobody saw Nonis at the funeral. So when the police searched Nonis' place, they found newspaper cuttings relating to Annie's death, and. It was marked with ink and dated in his cupboard. On the thirtieth of August, nineteen fifty, Nonis was committed to stand trial at the assizes, ah,、uh, on a charge of murdering Annie, 
uh, assizes is where it is a judicial inquest where verdict or findings will be rendered by the jury. Okay, so Nonis also stated he will reserve his defense during the preliminary hearing. Uh, now this is when I say plot twist. Huh? Apparently, Nonis had hired David Marshall. Now, if you do not know who David Marshall is, let me tell you, okay? David Marshall started out as a lawyer and he was a damn good one too. Uh, he later became a politician in Singapore, serving as the first chief minister of Singapore. He was also the one who led Singapore to the home rule, aka um, a region compromise of its own citizen. And the eventual independence of Singapore from the UK. You know, like last time, remember we were under the, the British, that one. Uh, yeah, but because of David Marshall, we are now Singapore, okay? Like we are independent. Uh, he also founded the Workers' Party. Uh, so basically, he is a somebody, okay? Like a, a politician, a lawyer, and his cases, like his winnings are like, ugh. So he's like top notch, okay? So. If you have him, best ah, you know, like ah, no wonder Nonis was smiling. Okay, okay, never mind. Let me reserve my conclusions for later. Okay, back to the murder. So yeah, David Marshall is set to appear for Nonis trial at the High Court, which had been fixed for six October, nineteen fifty. Uh, a special group of jury will hear the case. In the meantime, Nonis will still remain in custody, okay? So the trial was expected to last four to five days, around there. Uh, but when the day came for the trial, guess what? Apparently, it had to be postponed to 16 October because David Marshall had met with an accident and was unable to appear in court. Uh, he met with an accident while swimming the day before. Yeah, but uh, in the meantime, like while in court, when word got out that the defense counsel was unable to attend, it was noted that Nonis had appeared thin and tired. Uh, he then got up to tell the judge like, quote, it is obviously impossible to go on with this special jury case now, end quote. Uh, it was also understood that the defense team will apparently will be calling 16 witnesses and the trial is now expected to last a whole week. Blimey! Wait, let me do that again. Blimey! What the heck is going on? Kecho babe. Nini sudah kechorable. Noni's kechorable. So the fourth day of trial on the 20th of October 1950 Police gave statements in court of the confession that Nonis had made. Nonis had confessed to the police that a dirty thought had come to his mind when he did not know what he was doing when he took out the cord out of Annie's underwear. He said the cord then went around her neck and suddenly his hands like moved. You know like the strangling lah yeah? So Nonis said that Annie did not struggle and the last word Annie had said was Joe. And that was Noni's name. Uh, he could still feel her breath. And he took her head and struck it against a stone. Annie then passed away peacefully. Uh, he then brought the body down to the shore. And said, it, and said Winnie, I still love you. Now, here comes another plot twist, okay? So, this Nonis, he had claimed that the police interrogation were violent and they made him confess to a crime he did not commit. However, the fourth Singapore police magistrate who tended in the alleged confession said that before he recorded the statements by Nonis, he had given his usual warnings, which was asking if any police officer or prison officer had threatened him or induced him or even made promises to him to confess. Noni said no to each of them. 
Nonis also told the officer that the statements he was about to make were voluntarily and it was of his own free will. Now, I understand during this time, right? Uh, police beat you also, you cannot do anything about it. I don't know about now lah, lol. <laughs> but yeah, however, you know, given the actions by nonis, right? Like, appear, like, like not appearing for the funeral, then passing a statement about Annie's death before it was even reported in the news. Then the friend, he was asking to pass a message to Annie for him or that. Like, you see why I'm torn about it, you know? Like, something is fishy or like, who do we believe? Nonis, he also claimed that when he left the inspector that morning of confession, he felt hypnotized and the inspector was somewhat his master. He said that he was under a hypnotic spell and that was why in court he was weeping non-stop. He even said that the inspector had put in some kind of dope, you know, like drug into the coffee that was offered to him before he confessed. He also said that the inspector threatened him, quote, you better make this statement or else you will be hanged and if you don't say that, we will get a copy of your statement from the magistrate and if it was not all what I asked you to say, you will know what you will get, end quote. Now, remember earlier, I told you guys about the inspector asking Noni's questions like, um, about, did the police threaten, you know, all that, right? Now, when he was asked about this, like, didn't you say no when he was asking these questions? Noni's was like, oh, uh, the inspector told me to say no. He also stated that he did not remember signing the m- memorandum, like, containing the questions and the answers. Like, he claimed that the inspector was the one that told him to say all that. So when shown, like, when he was shown the signature of uh, on the memorandum, right, he was like, yeah, that looks like mine. <laughs> Nonis. <laughs> Come on, Nonis. Oh, yeah, then a witness from the defense team came up and said that uh, he told the mother of Nonis that he was with Nonis the night of the alleged murder after the mum had told him that Nonis was being charged on the 5th of July. So, like, when the mother come to this friend and say, like, oh my god, my son is being caught. And then the friend was like, eh, but he was with me eh. Uh, like that lah. Uh, this was on the 5th. Yeah, he was being told lah. So, apparently, like, they were at home. And there were six other witnesses uh, that uh, it was the tailor, you know, uh, who he said he was certain nonis visited his shop on the afternoon of 29 June. But the three shop assistants uh, were not able to identify nonis having visited their shops that day. Yeah. So, like, the shop owner was like, yeah, I'm sure nonis come. But then the three workers are like, <laughs> yeah. What the fuck, yeah. Then another witness, the provision dealer, he said that when he saw Nonis, um, when he saw Nonis that was taken to the magistrate on a July 6, Nonis appeared unkept, rather tired looking and like sobbing silently and was a little preoccupied. Like at this point, even Nonis' brother and sister were like vouching for him, claiming he was home. Like how he was uh, he was home and then how he was when he was arrested for the first time you know then the next like suddenly Nonis was made out to be innocent and it was the police police are blindly cleaning the blame just to have the case closed yeah so that was that was what was going on lah okay at that point of time so on the 8th day of the trial David Marshall the defence lawyer called his last witness a psychiatrist Dr. James Brown he is a superintendent of the mental home in Singapore. I am hitched like that one time, yeah. So, Dr. Brown said Nonis was not a psychopath. He said that the allegations did not harmonize with the personality of Nonis. That is assuming the contents of the confessions were true lah. Now, Dr. Brown, he also testified it was possible for a figure like the inspector who was, uh, by the way, well-known to get confessions by brutal torture of culprits, 
to influence someone like Nonis causing him to be hypnotized and he also stated the influence could last one out mm, ambulance <laughs> okay yeah, he also said that uh, the influence to someone like Nonis can cause him to be hypnotized. He also stated that the influence could last like one hour to one and a half hours after leaving the inspector's presence. Uh, all this can be caused. Masia. Yeah. Sorry guys for the background noise. I promise I will do better. Okay, but yeah. All this can be caused and likely to occur when a person is under mental strain or mental conflict. Yeah. So if you if you say this in court you get you get away, okay? <laughs> Doesn't make sense, right? My god, like he wasn't even diagnosed, uh, by the way. This is just the doctor reading like the rip. Like I said lah, like nowadays you you can't get away with this kind of shit in Singapore especially. Back then, yes, because there were not like proper policies or proper things the way like proper way to do these things, yeah. So, but nowadays like you try lah, you try. Anyway, another doctor was also called up as a witness, uh, also giving expert advice on chemical examination of Annie's blouse and dress and Noni's white shirt. Okay, so the expert said he could not find any evidence of blood stain on Noni's shirt and blood stains can be traced even after Tonight my block just fucking kecoh. I don't know why. Tak tahu. Korang semua tak tahu tidur ke apa? Aduh. Oh ya lah. Today Saturday night lah. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, back to my story before I was rudely interrupted. Yeah. So, hey, this is fun fact, guys. Uh, blood stains can be traced even after 40 years. Four zero years. How freaking cool is that? Yeah. So, anyway, this doctor, he also said he even found concentration of salt on Annie's blouse, suggesting that they may have been immersed in salt water. So on the 3rd November 1950, as Noni smoked a cigarette in the dock and waited 45 minutes for the jury that consisted of four Europeans, bear in mind Noni is European, but yeah, the jury consisted four Europeans, one Chinese, one Malay, one Indian to decide his fate. Noni was found not guilty verdict was unanimous <clears throat> Annie's parents were also in court when the verdict was announced uh, Mr. James Spencer uh, he said quote one day I shall find my daughter's killer end quote I, uh, I was also known that Annie's parents uh, held no grudge towards the whole ordeal with Noni's like Till this day, unfortunately, Annie's killer was never caught. And the case has gone cold. And that is the story of Annie Winnie Spencer. 10-year-old girl who was raped and strangled. Poor girl, you know, it breaks my heart to hear such cases like, what sicko would do this shit, you know? And about nonies. I don't know guys, like one part of me like, no, he is definitely the one to do it. Like, how can people who have never met him ever suddenly point him out when they were caught to identify? Or like, I mean, why would this group of people want to fabricate lies against someone they don't even know? Like, how did he know about Annie's death before anything was even released by the press? Don't tell me he was hypnotized also at that point. No, right? Like, and also, why would his own friend, like Noni's friend, why would he say he saw him and Noni's even ask him to pass a message to Annie? Like, what? Are you, you gotta be fucking kidding me. But on the other hand, 
Like maybe his character would likely be easier to break with a figure like an inspector who was well known uh, by the way to go medieval when in- interrogating people like he this in- inspector was well known lah. like you don't tell me the truth kapap kena you know like if i'm being tortured to confess i i would too lah. like no man lay off the fingers <laughs> i want to keep my finger you want what you want to know you tell me you i will tell you just ask me at the same time Of course, your family would back you up no matter what, you know. But then again, the tailor, but then he shot the sister and like, oh my gosh, I hate unsolved murders, man. Like fuck. Any moto le pada tadi tau sih. Satu malam dia rounding eh, aduh. But yeah, I hate unsolved murders. You know, like how can people who commit horrible crimes get away? It's so unfair. But then again, you can run on earth, but not when you're seven feet underground, bro or sis, you know? Yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Man, I think this is like the longest podcast I ever had, huh? <laughs> And my throat is so sore right now, my goodness. I have to talk more. Sakit siu tekak. But let me know, okay, if you enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed it. Like, the research was insane. I'm telling you, like, clippings after clippings after videos after videos. And, oh my god, and the searching, like, lain aku nak, lain yang timbul. Like, let me know, okay. If you want me to keep this section over my Instagram. Uh, if you want me to keep this section, let me know over at my Instagram. You see, I'm, my my voice is too tight. <laughs> I'm not overlapping on my words, yeah. At WTT.YB I would love to hear your thoughts or you could give me some interesting cases I can talk about. I have a lot. In fact, I already prepared the next one also and I can't wait to unleash it. Uh, but that would be all for today. I hope you enjoy while listening, you know, during this pandemic, try not to be a horrible person and more stupid because common sense tend to be lacking these days. Yeah, so till next time, sip sip and enjoy your scones.